Watson with the keeper. The game is never over till the end. He's in! Whenever that clock strikes zero. 15-yard touchdown run for Deshaun Watson. There is no offseason. Nuke with the TD catch! For your Houston Texans. Game day is every day. Starting 0-3 and winning the division. It's a monumental achievement. And now we have to build on it. Five nights a week, the hits keep on coming. What trips him up for a sack? Oh, my goodness. Now, from inside NRG Stadium, it's Texans All Access. Oh, it is good to be with you, everybody. Welcome in. It is Texans All Access. You heard the man. I'm your host, John Harris, and I am in our palatial studios over at Sports Radio 610. Happy Wednesday to you. I know it's kind of a foggy, ugly day for you, but wherever you are, appreciate you listening. And I come over to studio, I try and come over a couple times a year, if I, if I can. And one of those days is today, and one of, those reason, one of the reasons I do it, and probably the only reason I do it, well, I shouldn't say that, I like seeing the people. Saw so my man B-Mac, Brandon, Ben, saw all the... So, Jonesy, they got a big producer meeting. Now, Joanna's back over there. Joanna's got me. But I come over here to take your calls. Over at the stadium, I can't, I can't do that. So, I come in here, I do the show live, and you get a chance to talk to me. And mainly, I look at it this way. I get a chance to talk to you. I get to hear from you. 713-572-4610. 713-572-4610. Now, I, I put it on a Twitter a little while ago, and then all of a sudden people just started hitting me with questions like right away. Like, I don't want to call. That's fine. I understand. But I know there's some people that feel like, hey, I want to I I get this off my chest. and That's what your man is here for. That's what I'm here for, to let you get it off your chest if you need to. And in some cases, if I've got to set you straight a little bit, then, then I will definitely do that. The Texans today... As far as I know right now, and I'm checking social media by the minute, I have not seen them add anybody else to Sean Gibson, Bradley Roby. Roby apparently will be here tomorrow. I believe that's the time frame he will be here tomorrow, and he will go through everything he's got to do at the stadium. Hopefully we'll get a chance to have him tomorrow on the radio when he is here. So looking forward to talking to Bradley Roby, the newest Houston Texan. And it is the new league year, so happy new year to all of you. And so now we wait to see what else can happen. So, let's get out to the phone line. 713-572-4610. Now, Joanna, I'm going to need your help here. Okay, you got Figgy back over there. So, you got to help me out. Joanna, let's go to Jason. He wants to talk a little C.J. Mosley. Jason, what's going on, my man? How you doing? Doing good. How are you? I'm all right. What you got? All right, so I've got this. So, C.J. Mosley was a free agent, right? He was. We have we have one of the guys um, in terms of um, in terms of Whitney Merciless, where we didn't know how to use him this year or anything like that. Question or thought? We could have obviously he signed now. We could have signed C.J. Mosley, put Bernardrick McKinney in the spot of Whitney Merciless, have C.J. Mosley and Cunningham in the middle, and then obviously re-sign Clowney. What do you think of that? Oh, Jason, first of all, it's a good thought. There's no way in hell the Texans should have signed C.J. Mosley, and here's why. First of all, you're, I, I think C.J. Mosley is one hell of an inside linebacker. But bringing him in and moving Bernardrick to, I, I, I'm not, 
I'm not sure that does really what you want. You signed Bernardrick to be your man in the middle, if you will. That's what you signed Bernardrick last year to an extension to do. Plus, look at the cash that C.J. Mosley got. He got paid. Capital P-A-I-D, paid. There's no sense in sinking all that money into C.J. Mosley into one other guy and then not trying to sign other because you would have that money would have hamstrung you in other positions. And I know well, you got $72 million in cap room. Look, that cap room goes up in smoke pretty quickly. When you need to have it, like last year, you needed to have it to sign Tyron Matthew. You had $7 million available, you did it. So I like the thought that would have been one hell of an SEC defense here in Houston, but it just you weren't going to do that. Now, here's a couple things to consider as it pertains to the defense. I don't know how, as you just look at the personnel, I don't know how long you're going to be a 3-4 defense. I mean, you might be a 4-3 defense. Because when you talk about inside linebackers, you've got to get Dylan Cole on the field at some point. Dylan Cole's a whale of a football player. He's got to stay healthy, like a number of guys. He's got to stay healthy. But I'd like to see Dylan Cole get on the field a little bit more. So... I know the Texans are multiple in what they do defensively anyways, but I don't think C.J. Mosley coming to the party would have made things any any bit, any bit better. Let's go to Neil, who's on the line. 713-572-4610. Let's get to Neil. Neil, what's up, buddy? Hey, how's it going? I'm right. Uh, I, I saw that Houston's been let go by Kansas City because uh, he had a kind of a down year. But what do you think about the Texans possibly signing him? Maybe to a you know when you're show me deal or a longer one uh, since merciless has kind of had it down here as well to bolster that pass rush with a three man rotation. Interesting thought. I, I think with with Justin Houston and and I I've, I've thought about this because I keep going back to the thought that man you can't have enough pass rushers, but if you go and sign Justin Houston at that point. I don't think it's honestly a bad move. I just don't think it's something that they'll do because I think they'll look at it and say, look, we're going to have to sink money into Clowney. We're gonna, we got money in Merciless and we got money in Watt. We've got we've to go with those guys. And we got Duke Edge for that we've got to try and groom because, look, the, JJ's, what, 30, 31. You know, Witt's getting up there. He's drafted in 2012. That feels like eons ago. And Justin Houston was drafted in 2011. I don't know if you'll be able to get any kind of hometown discount or anything for Justin Houston. So you're going to pay a decent amount for him, $11, $12 million. Look, I get it. I understand what you want to do. But you had a hard enough time last year getting Whitney Merciless out on the field. How are you going to get all those guys out on the field? I think that's going to be that, – that ends up being kind of a glut of guys. And then at that point, are you wasting money on the one-year you know, prove-it deal? And I, and I don't know that Justin Houston really needs to prove it. I think there are some guys that have, like, Tyron, we talk about that with Tyron. Tyron took a one-year, $7 million deal to prove it. Well, he was coming off, you know, he had been injured a number of, you know, a number of years. You know, Bradley Robies is going to take a one-year, $10 million deal because I think there were some inconsistency issues in his game last year that he felt like, hey, if I smooth those out, then I can get the, I can get the big deal. You know, A.J. Boye, a few years ago, he was offered a long-term deal by the Texans, and he turned it down. He's like, no, I'm going to play on this one-year deal because I'm going to prove that I'm a much better player than that long-term deal. So from that perspective, uh, I think Justin Houston, probably not the right way to go. All right, Joanna, let's go to Chris on line two. Chris, what's going on, my man? How you doing? 
Uh, when we drafted Kevin Johnson, he had a pretty good rookie year, and things were looking really positive. And then it seemed like this went downhill from there, injuries obviously being a huge factor. Um, being a slight guy, that was a concern going in. Inside the building, is that viewed in retrospect as a good draft choice that just went bad due to injuries beyond the control or a bad decision based on a flawed hope that he could stay healthy? Oh, Chris, that's a great question. I, I think the way they look at it in the building is it didn't work, period. Like, that, that's the end of it. Whether it was – and I think internally there are probably discussions about, okay – how, why didn't this work? Are we looking at it as it was injuries? This is the way that I look at it. In 2016, when the Texans played the Colts on that Sunday night game, the one, the comeback, which I'm still trying to figure out how Brock Osweiler did it, but he did. In that comeback game, the Texans beat the Colts that night and held T.Y. Hilton to three catches for, I think it was like 46 yards, something along those lines. And Kevin was a big part in that. Now, Kevin didn't miss the rest of the season because T.Y. Hilton ran him over and he broke a collarbone or, you know, one of those things, he broke a foot and he injured his foot. And that's what it was. So, I, so yes, him being slight had something to do with maybe the concussions this year, but it really, him being slight was not a major factor in the injury that really shelved him. Because if he doesn't get hurt that night against the Colts, then Kevin's on a trajectory on the opposite side of A.J. Boye and Jonathan Joseph where he needs to be and where he needed to be. But then that foot set him back. He came back in 2017, and then some struggles in 2017. I think his confidence was shaken a little bit, and obviously 2018. You know, look, C.J. Fedorowicz, Fedorowicz is one of the biggest guys I've ever seen in my life, and he had to retire because of concussions. So from that perspective, concussions happen. Those things, are they're, they're going to happen. And I think that's probably the way they would look at it, that Kevin, because of the injuries, didn't work out that way. I think, and I felt like he had the skills, the footwork, the speed, the, trans, uh, the uh, transitional quickness to be able to do it, but I think it was the injuries that ended up getting him. But I don't, know if it was, uh, I don't know if it was something in which you could say, in hindsight, yeah, he was too slight. I, I don't know if that was the case. Let's go to Preston on line one, Joanna. Preston, what's going on? How you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm all right, man. What you got? So, we talk about offensive linemen and how we don't feel that Brian Gaines thinks they're worthy of signing these monster contracts. So, why aren't the, do you think Brian Gaines looking at teams that are five, six-win teams that are kind of looking to tear down like the Browns did to find, a, to find an offensive tackle or an offensive lineman or, hell, maybe a cornerback that could fit our needs with a mid-round draft pick that would be a better bet than, say, a third or fourth or a fifth-round pick at this point. Well, I think here's the thing all along with the offensive line. Let me start with the offensive line, Preston, because I think the DBs are a little different. I do think there was a little, there was a little bit of depth in the DB market. There just hasn't been any depth in the offensive line market the last two years. If you think about this, last year, I sat here on this day and waited for Nate Solder to, to sign. He hadn't signed... I remember doing this show on Wednesday, and he hadn't signed. He signed, I think, either later in the night Wednesday after I was off the air or the next day Thursday. And he got a, a, got a, a massive contract, and, of course, everybody was upset. And the point was the Texans were in that, and then, of course, got priced out, and he went and stayed with the Giants or stayed in the Northeast and went with the New York Giants. There, other than Solder, 
look around the league and go, wait a second, where are all the free agent tackles? There aren't any. And the same thing this year. Beyond Trent Brown, the next two guys, the next two guys on the list are Juwan James, coming off an injury from last year, and uh, Darrell Williams. And Darrell Williams decided to stay with Carolina on a one-year $7 million deal coming off that injury as well. So that's it. I mean, they attempted apparently to go after Roger Saffold. He's a guard. Now, he played tackle some in college. I don't think they would have moved him to tackle. But he did play, he did play uh, tackle in college. But I would imagine they wanted him to be a guard. He ended up signing with Tennessee. The glut of safeties is one thing. The dearth of offensive tackles out there, this is nothing. There was just nothing. So when Trent Brown decided to go to Oakland, at that point, you know, we're looking in the draft. That's where it's got to be. It's got to happen in the draft. 713-572-4610. 713-572-4610. You guys hanging on the line. I got to get a break or Joanna's going to get really, really mad at me. Because over the other, I, I don't take breaks over there. I just kind of handle my business and just go. 713-572-4610. Nick, I see you want to talk about the draft. Patrick, he's got everything. He's got a potpourri of things that he wants to talk about. That We'll do that next right here on Texans All Access. Don't miss a single thing on your favorite team. Follow us on Twitter at Houston Texans. This is Texans Radio. It's Battle Red Radio. Texans Radio on Sports Radio 610. Here's more of Texans All Access. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Welcome back to the show, Texans All Access. 713-572-4610. 713-572-4610. I'm John Harris, football analyst, silent reporter. And I never wanted to be a doctor ever, but I'm Dr. Harris. I'm sitting on the couch tonight taking all your questions, thoughts, concerns, comments, whatever you want to flood me with. Let's go. Joanna, let's talk to Nick on line two. Nick, what's going on, buddy? How you doing? Good. What's up, John? Um, so I have a couple questions. I know you want Dillard at 23, but... If he's gone, would you take Risner, or is that a little too too early for him? And then uh, I was going to say, uh, who's your like favorite running back in the draft for the Texans? Because uh, Devin uh, Singletary seems like he'd be like really good for us because of how hard he runs. And then James Williams from WSU, he seems like more of like a a white. The what's that running back from Patriots? The oh James White. white. Yeah, James White. And yeah, so I think that's it. You got it. Uh, Nick, excellent job. All right, let's let's hit on all those. First of all, I don't think Dillard gets us to 23. That's Andre Dillard, left tackle, Washington State. Uh, I don't think he gets to us. I, when when he got done with the combine, I just looked at Mark Vandermeer and said, nope, that's over. Then Nick asked about Dalton Reisner. He's very intriguing to me, and I love Reisner. Andre Ware, who is our analyst for games, he's, you know Andre, 1989 Heisman Trophy winner. He called a Kansas State game, and in their production meeting, they got to meet Dalton Reiser. And he came back, and he was like, during one of the breaks of the game, he just all of a sudden, it was kind of quiet. He goes, Johnny. I was like, what? He goes, Dalton Reiser, what do you think? I was like, I love him. He goes, oh, this guy's great. He is the kind of guy I think would fit perfectly for us. Now, the question with Reiser becomes, is he a guard or is he a tackle? And I think he could play right tackle. But 
he's probably better suited to be an interior lineman. But here's the thing, and I thought about this after the Roger Saffold news when it, it, we found out that the Texans had been in on Roger Saffold, who is the guard for the L.A. Rams, who, by the way, take a look at the offensive line for the L.A. Rams and think about Todd Gurley's uh, tendonitis in his knees. That offense may not be as, uh, as good. But then again, not play, having to play a game tonight. So don't worry about that. But either way, Reisner, I think, is a guy that could end up uh, – playing either position. So I wouldn't rule it out here for the Texans. I think 23 is probably a, a just a spotter too early, but that I, I don't sweat that, not with a guy like that, where I know he would step in to starting lineup pretty much right away and be a factor. Running back-wise, uh, I love Montgomery from Iowa State. He's one of my favorites. L- listen, there, all these running backs, to me, you, I can m- make a case for. I mean, Lamar Miller, Deontay Foreman, there's got to be another one added. And I know a lot of people have been tweeting about Oh, Alfred Blue's coming back. Look, even if Alfred does come back, so what? He gives you something on special teams. He has been valuable in your time of need. I think with this draft class, you can get better in all facets of ball carrying, catching the ball in the backfield, all that. With these guys, I love Travion Williams from my Texas A&M. Devin Singletary was a guy that Nick asked about. And Devin's got, he's got some wiggle. That, is that the right way of saying that? He's got some wiggle. He's got some Shakira hips, if you will. Shakira hips and Sammy Davis feet. Y'all know who Sammy Davis is? Joanna's looking at me like, no. Uh, let's see. Who? I got to figure out who. Gosh. Who can dance? Usher? No. Chris Brown? You know Chris Brown? Yeah, Chris Brown can dance. All right, Chris Brown. Hopefully it doesn't turn out like Chris Brown, so maybe that's a bad example, but you get the point. There are a lot of different flavors of running back in this class. Travis Homer is one way off the radar screen from the University of Miami that I really, really like. When we went to the combine, my buddy Lance Zerline asked me, he goes, who do you like running back-wise? And it's not one of, whenever Lance asked me that, I know he's asking me about value guys, like late day two, day three guys, and I immediately said Travis Homer. And then Homer just destroyed the combine. So those are, those are a few things. I, I think you really, with this running back class, I don't know that you really can go wrong with a number of these guys Travion Williams can give you a lot of third down ability. James Williams is another guy that Nick mentioned. He caught 83 passes as a, as a uh, running back at Washington State. That's Washington State's offense. The question is, do you even know what kind of running back he'll be? You know what kind of receiver he'll be. Do you know what kind of running back he's going to be? He's intriguing as heck. I know that. So I definitely would consider James, James Williams as well. All right, Joanna, let's go to line three and talk to Patrick. I know he wants to unload. Patrick, what's going on, man? How you doing? Hey, what's going on, John? Uh, I feel like I'm talking to a celebrity right now. I think you're one of my favorite football personalities just in the, the game, period. And one little caveat, keep doing what you're doing, and you'll be a GM one day. Look what happened to Mayock, you know? <laughs> I appreciate but, it, man. What you got? Um, man, I just don't know. I would two, two things real quick, and it's kind of like uh, liability versus stud. So, like, with your offensive line, would you, in your theory – say that your offensive line, would you prefer, obviously we'd like to have studs across the board, but yep. when designing and building a team, um, would you prefer, because last year our offensive line was a liability at times. We saw number four, we all saw what happened. Yeah. So when you're, when you're throwing together a team, would you say like, let's just make sure our offensive line isn't the reason we lose. So if we get guys here and there, or do you really try to swing for the fences and get your Trent Browns uh, or not? And then last but not least, um, how do you tell the difference between a left or a right tackle when you're when you're evaluating? 
But that's all I got, John. You're the man. Patrick, I, I appreciate it. Thank you for the kind words, man. That means a lot. I, I think one question sort of answers the other one. You're asking about are, are you looking for essentially a stud offensive lineman? Are you looking for a stud athlete um, versus are you looking for somebody that's serviceable? And when you look at tackles in particular, you know, when I looked at Andre Dillard the first time and I saw him move his feet, now he's playing left tackle. So you see a guy play that position, you get kind of locked in like, all right, that's a left tackle. The toughest part is projection, and that's what the personnel, scout, the personnel scouts, Brian Gain, that's what they do all the time. Hey, what about this guy in this position? Could you see him over here? And then it's just kind of taking in all their athletic abilities, just watching him on tape. Does he have the feet to do it? That's one of the biggest things. Does he have the feet? As far as, you know, what I, what I go for, I think the question kind of maybe that Patrick is asking is, would you package a few picks to maybe move up in the first round to make sure that I got a bona fide left tackle stud athlete, like a guy like Andre Dillard or maybe Juwan Taylor? Or do I want to stay there at 23 and end up taking a guy that's good, maybe like Dalton Reisner, who's, who's very good, but he's not of the class of the others? I don't want to say it depends, but look, my, when it, for me, I've always said, let me start with the offensive and defensive lines. Now, quarterbacks, a whole different conversation. I mean, that's – but I better win on my lines. I've got to. My lines have better – they better be good. And then everything else will fit in place. If you look at the New England Patriots this past year, and I know, look, they've got Tom Brady, and I, I know they've got other pieces. But Trent Brown played really well for them. Joe Tooney they put in as a second rounder. David Andrews from day one as an undrafted guy has been a star. Shaq Mason was another undrafted guy. And then the right tackle was um, uh, Marcus Cannon. Those guys have worked together. You wouldn't say that any of them were studs coming out of college. Solder was the stud coming out of college, and they let him go. Trent Brown was not a stud going to the University of Florida. So from that perspective, I want five guys up front that work together, that are versatile, will not back down, can win one-on-one, and in the run game, they're going to knock you off the ball a little bit. I don't want to have an offensive line in which – well, I got to run zone game because that's just a side to side. I'll just let my running back read all that. I want to knock people off the ball a little bit too. Yeah, maybe I'm getting a little greedy, but I want to be able to move the football in, in numerous ways. So would I trade up to go get an Andre Dillard? Man, that cost is going to be, re- it, I would imagine it's going to be pretty steep. That said, you also have to play the draft board out. And that is, and what I mean by that is, this, draft, this tackle class is pretty deep. Yeah, I think Dillard is better than some others, but it doesn't mean that I don't think the others can play. I think the others can definitely play. There's no question about that. All right, Joanna, let's get to James, who's on line one. Oh, we got a break? No, let's talk to James real quick, and then we'll break. James, what's going on? How you doing, buddy? Good, good. I just had one question about Clowney. I think now that the big period is passed, the high-dollar guys is passed, that we should go back and get him signed up, especially in light of the contracts signed by Trey Flowers, the two guys at Green Bay, and D Ford. The D Ford and, the, and Trey Flowers look like they're going to be above seventeen point five million. I think Trey Flowers came in at eighteen million, which is about three or four million more than 
what was projected uh, because everybody was projecting off of the previous contracts of Hunter. So I want to just hear your opinion on that and then an opinion on the two guys at Mississippi State, the other two guys, the defensive tackle and the uh, safety. And I'll hang up and listen. Love uh, you, though. Yeah, gotcha. James, good question. Look, with the Clowney contract, I don't know if you go to Jadeveon now in a month or three months. I don't know that much is really going to change, to be honest, of what his demand is, is going to be. I, I just don't think – I mean, seeing what those guys got is great, but I think my, my hunch is that he was looking beyond those guys. Like, those guys matter. They matter, but they don't. Maybe, maybe they now look at it and say, okay – that's kind of that's we don't go below that. We're definitely going beyond that. But I always I already think they were going above that, above and beyond that. James, you're talking about the two Mississippi State players. Joey and I'm gonna do this very quick. Uh Simmons, Jeffrey Simmons, I think is the best interior defensive player in this draft. And I know people are gonna be like, What? Jeffrey Simmons is an absolute dude. He is a stud of all studs. He is a man child. A he tore his ACL in training for the draft, and I don't know whether he's going to be ready for the 2019 draft. And B, I don't know if I went one or two or A or B, but either way, the second part is just know there's a video out there of an incident that happened in high school. I know it's in high school, but I guarantee you when people see it, it's not going to be great. Now, it's kind of been under the weeds a little bit, uh, because he's been out of sight, out of mind because of the injury. And maybe that's a good thing, to be honest. Didn't have any issues at Mississippi State. All indications, and my buddy's the color analyst there for Mississippi State, said he's a great kid. He's done a great job. But I think he's, he's a tricky situation on a lot of different levels. Jonathan Abram, as a safety, is everything you want a safety. To me, he's a pissed-off Daniel Manning. That's the way I look at him. Daniel Manning, like, I see kind of the same body type, the speed. I see all those things that Daniel Manning had. But Abram plays the game angry. He's always talking trash. He was at the Senior Bowl, and he was injured, and he was on the sidelines, and he was still talking trash to everybody. Everybody. I love his game. I love it. But I think because you have put some resources in Gibson and you have Hal and Reed already, I don't know that you go that direction in the draft where you would need to, because I think Abram's off the board no later than the middle of the second round. And you'll have to go, obviously, off at the tackle corner, I would imagine, at those two positions. All right, we got a little bit of news, a little bit. It's a visit. It's not a signing. It's a visit. So we'll talk about that. Take more of your phone calls in our final segment right here on Texas All Access. Download the Texans mobile app for news, videos, alerts, and more on your Houston Texans. This is Deshaun Watson. The bomb from Deshaun Watson. And you're listening to Texas Radio. My goodness. What's up, everybody? Final segment, Texas All Access. Kyler Murray had his pro day today. Get all excited about him throwing in shorts and T-shirt, but looked good, I guess. He didn't get measured again, which is kind of weird. I mean, it's like gaming the system. How much you want to bet? I'll bet you do- I'll bet you 100 bucks. Ed Oliver does not step on a scale at his pro day at Houston. I guarantee it. Guarantee it. All right, before I get back up to the phones, Justin Hang, you got a question about the offensive line. Our buddy Aaron Wilson tweeted this out uh, near uh, about 20 minutes ago, 20, 25 minutes ago. LH almost said San Diego. 
L.A. Chargers corner Jason Verrett to visit the Texans after he visits the San Francisco 49ers. Now, the 49ers corner situation is Akilah Weatherspoon and Richard Sherman. But I could see Verrett in a nickel role for them. He's not a big guy. He's 5'10". He's about 180, 185. I loved him coming out of TCU. Loved him. I loved him as a nickel. I, I thought he would be the best nickel. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy. That's, that's been Jason Verrett's issue. If he stays healthy, he's a true baller. But he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. I, I would love to see him in our building. He'd be very intriguing from that perspective. The other news that I read earlier was that the Minnesota Vikings are shopping Trey Waynes. First-round corner, I believe that was in 2015, maybe 2016. But they're shopping Trey Waynes, who played at Michigan State. And the player I would most compare him to, I know this is tough, but I would compare him to Kevin Johnson. I think he's got all the assets and all the traits you're looking for. It just hasn't come together. But that's who I would compare it to. But Jason Verrett of the Chargers is taking a visit. Trey Waynes is being shot by Minnesota. Now, there's no word whether the Texans are in on Trey Waynes in those trade discussions. But anything having to do with corner, I would imagine the Texans are going to be involved with. All right, Joanna, let's go to line two and talk to Justin. Justin, what's going on, man? How you doing? Pretty good, man. Hey, question. Let's say we boost this offensive line, and it's still not as good as, as we want it to be. At what point do we start to question Devlin? I'll hang up and listen. Well, I think every year that you, you know, have struggles at a particular position, you know, I think you're going to end up, looking at everything. And I think the coaching staff does. I think I think Cal McNair, I think it starts with Cal and Janice. They they look at everything. And then obviously it gets down in everybody's departments. And Jamie Roots is the president. Uh he looks at his thing. You know, Mark is the the boss of my department. He's always looking at his thing. And Bill O'Brien and Brian Gain are always looking at their staff, at their um at how things, you know, in the personnel side, you know, the scouts, they're all, they're, listen, they're always looking at it. Always. From the perspective with Dev, I, I know people will say, well, wait a second. That's, that offensive line, it's not been good. Oh, you know, coaching. I like the way Justin put that. I think you've got to give Dev some tools to work with. And, I think last year was a difficult situation, as was 2017. Look, I mean, no offense, Breno Giacomini should not have been on the field in 2017, but the Texans were forced into that. And when you say forced into that, well, think about it. They didn't have a second rounder in 2017. They didn't have a first rounder, obviously, because of Deshaun. So I understood that. But they didn't have a first or second rounder in 2017 where they could have drafted an offensive lineman. They had to wait until the until round four when they were able to get uh, Julian. Julian came with the Deshaun draft. Uh, so they had to get Martinez in the third round last year. So they were without those picks in 2018, I should say, not 2017. And so that sort of limited what they could do. A lot of the great linemen were off the board. Heck, if they have been drafting where their draft position was, maybe they draft Quentin Nelson. And how good does Quentin Nelson make, make you look as a coach? I think Dev's a really good coach. I think adding pieces that they're about to get in this draft, young pieces – that you draft and develop and put them in with guys like Martinez Rankin and Nick Martin and see what those guys are all able to do together and then see where we are. But I don't think there's any questions. It's got to get better. Look, I was at the Senior Bowl, and I said to Andre Diller, I said, I said, 
uh, I said, yeah, we, we could really use you. And he kind of looked at me and I said, we gave up 62 sacks last year. He looked at me like I was speaking a third language. He said, what? And I said, I said you heard me. We gave up 62 sacks last year. And it, that didn't compute for a guy that gave up, I think, one sack all year. So, yes, it's college versus NFL. It's a different ballgame. But it didn't compute for him at all. So, let's take those 62 sacks and let's just say what's improved. Let's cut them in half. Let's cut them in half. Let's cut it to 31. And I, and 31 still, I mean, that's just a shade under two a game. But there were games last year where we gave up there was seven against Buffalo. I know that. The irony was in games we gave up seven sacks, I think we ended up winning the game. Indy, week four. Buffalo, week six. I don't know how many. I think Indy got us. I think Indy got Deshaun seven times here and we lost that one. Your luck eventually runs out. You give up seven sacks, you're not going to end up winning the game. But I don't think there's any question amongst coaches, the players, the offensive side of the ball. They all know that can't happen again. Everybody knows that. So everybody is on notice. Everyone. And look, the sacks do not all come from the offensive line. I've said this a million times. Quarterback not throwing the ball. Receivers not running the right routes. uh, Tight ends and running backs not picking up a blitz like they're supposed to. I don't know how many of those sacks you can attribute to other means, but everybody contributed to it. Everybody. So all of those things get a little bit better. And this is one of the things that I brought up uh, during the Philly game, after the Philly game. I looked at it at one point in the fourth quarter. You had a third down touchdown throw that Deshaun threw to Vincent Smith. Remember that? And I went through the offense. Vincent Smith was active for the second time all year. Uh, third time, sorry. Third time all year. And he was next to DeAndre Carter, who had been there for seven weeks. He was next to Jordan Akins, who was a rookie. And it, luckily, not anymore. On the other side was Hopkins. You had an offensive line. Julian in his first year as a starter. Senio Calamete in his first year as a starter. Nick Martin in his second year. Zach Fulton in his first year with the Texans as a starter. And Kendall Lamb in his first year as a starter. Think about the things you do on a daily basis. What if you do them over and over and over again and you do them year after year after year? You get better, right? Look at Kansas City. Kelsey, Tyreek. The offensive line. Those pieces had all been together. They just plopped Patrick Mahomes right into that. You've got to have some continuity. And the Texans didn't have that. Now, you've got to have the right personnel, coaching, all that kind of stuff. So all of it comes into play. But the offensive line's got to be better. There's no doubt. None whatsoever. It's got to be better. But everybody is aware of this. All right, let's go to line one. Joanna, is this my buddy, George? It is, John. Hey, George, what's going on? How you doing, bud? And well, John, look, anybody who went to Brown knows that Merlin the Magician once left King Arthur's court. At least I'm sure you know that. Yes. Uh, if there's a statistical probability that Deshaun Watson will miss 2.4 games this year. Who will the backup quarterback be? That's a great question, George. And I the the... One of the first options was Terod Taylor, 
That was the first one that popped into mind, and he's going to end up going to the L.A. Chargers. I'll tell you one that uh, that somebody hit me with. I, I think in the end it might be Brandon Whedon just because Brandon knows this offense. He knows Deshaun. I think that's going to make for a good quarterback room. And if you got to go to Brandon, you at least know you can throw it around a little bit because he can sling it. There's no question about that. So I do think it'll be Brandon. But Brandon Porter was in here uh, who does a lot of our producing. When we're on the road, he does he cuts all of our highlights for all of our radio that I can use for Texas replay during the season. And he said, what about Blake Bortles? And I looked at him and said, man, you're reading my mind. I know people will say, wait, wait, Blake, what, wait, what? Look, it's a backup position. If you got to go to your backup, in most cases, you're more than likely uh, FUBAR. Now, Philadelphia was a different situation, and that worked out for Philadelphia. But you're in a world of hurt in most cases if your backup has to come into the ballgame. That said, Blake Bortles, in a backup situation, maybe there's pressure off, and I, I, he has not been released yet. But I would imagine that's coming. They're not going to keep that cap hit. I, would, I, wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't be against that thought. Because you have, I know if you, once you heard the name Blake Borlas, you probably vomited, but it's in a backup role. A backup role. Could I do something with Blake Bortles in a backup role? Yes. As a starter, I'm, I would lose my mind. But as a backup, maybe I could do that. So, Brandon Whedon, Blake Bortles. Now, those aren't the only two. Ryan Tannehill's out there, but apparently he's going to go to New Orleans, it looks like there might be a little bit of a swap there with Teddy Bridgewater potentially going back home to Miami for the Dolphins. I think that would be great. And Teddy works that new offense with Chad O'Shea and with Brian Flores, the new head coach of the Miami Dolphins. I think that would be unbelievable. And I would love that for Teddy. But he's also considering staying with the New Orleans Saints because yesterday he was staying with the Saints, and then today he's now taking a visit to Miami. So who knows? But then New Orleans apparently is looking at Ryan Tannehill to be the backup, so it might be a little bit of a swap there. Tannehill to New Orleans. Teddy goes to Miami. We'll see how that plays out. But Blake Bortles, Brandon Whedon, those are two guys. Look, last year Whedon took one snap because he had taken a knee because Deshaun had gone into the locker room early, but those are those are the two guys that come to mind. I'm trying to think if there are any off the top of my head that I can think of, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be opposed to, to looking at the Bortles situation. But I love, I love Weed. I know he can throw it. If we got to go to a backup, we're, we're going to be FUBAR anyway. So away you go. Uh, I got a tweet from Mr. Yan. I think it's a good one. He said, who's your absolute can't miss regardless of position that you can also guarantee won't be a first-round draft pick? All right, so if I read that right, not going to be a first-rounder, but I know he's a can't miss. Is that right? Greg, did I read that right? I hope I did. The absolute slam dunk, not going to be the first. See, that's the thing. It's Once you get outside the first round, all bets are off. The one guy that I think is going to end up crushing it is Akeem Butler from out of Iowa State. I think you could take either one of the Iowa State guys, and I think either one of them are going to be good. I think David Montgomery, the running back for Iowa State, is pocket dynamite. Now, he doesn't have great long speed. It's like 4'6", but who cares? If that guy's making dudes miss inside, he's running through defensive tackles, 
I mean, we know those defensive tackles are pretty soft anyway. So he's running through those guys. I'm trying to get Trap Jay's attention. <laughs> he didn't hear me. He didn't hear me. But I think David. I think the two guys from Iowa State. I feel pretty good about what those guys uh, are going to bring to the party for sure. I think Reisner, Dalton Reisner, is going to be a pretty sure thing. Now I just don't know if it's going to be a guard or tackle, but I think Reisner is going to end up being a really good football player, whether it's at guard, whether it's at center, or whether it's at tackle. I think it's probably going to be guard, but I wouldn't be opposed to putting him at right tackle. He went against, he went against Montez Sweat when they faced Mississippi State uh, about third or fourth week of the year. And Reisner and, and Sweat, you know, Sweat's 6'6", 262, runs 4'4". Reisner had a pretty solid ball game against him. Sweat, when he went to the other side, that's when Sweat got some numbers. Charles Amendo, who had a huge game against K-State, he had two sacks and three tackles for a loss. When he went against Reisner, he got zeros. Reisner's the kind of guy I would love to see with us. He'll be great with the media, which everybody loves, but he loves football. He is not a glory hound. He loves the game. He studies it. He's a film rat. I mean, he's just the kind of guy I think would be very – he would work very, very well. And I think he's probably going to fall – I shouldn't say fall out of the first round. I think he's going to go outside of the first round because he's right on that borderline uh, first round, second round. So I think Reisner ends up being a guy from Kansas State, interior offensive lineman slash tackle. You can play him a lot of different places. But I think he's probably as close to a slam dunk, not so much for the athletic ability, but just everything else that you need to be an NFL football player, he's going to have, and he's going to have it in spades. So teaching the system, hopefully he ends up staying healthy. And if he does that, I think Reisner's going to end up being uh, – he's going to end up being that guy that you definitely want to have on your offensive line. And I would, I would love to see him – I'd love to see him here. And I, I think the Texans are looking at everything. They looked at Roger Saffold. So I think they're looking at everything. They're they're taking everything under consideration, and I kind of like that. I kind of like that. Uh, here are a couple others. This from Nick. Well, Nick just called and said, "Who are the favorite running backs?" Uh, let's see. This from Jose. He said, "Not terrible, but no big moves. Plenty of cap space. What are the Texans waiting for? Tell me they have a blockbuster trade in the works." Here's the thing. And I said this before. We know the two biggest spots of tackle and corner. If you're going to make a blockbuster trade in some sense, or not a trade, you're going to sign somebody, who are you going to sign? Tackle one off the board. I mean, Wade's going to be in here in a little bit, and Wade's been talking about Trent Brown. Like After that, though, I'd take Wade back. Let's put Wade back in there. Put him at tackle. Because there just wasn't, there wasn't anybody else there. Now, talk about making a trade, a blockbuster trade. Well, now you're, now you're talking. Here's where you've got to target the right guy at the right time. The Vikings, I mentioned earlier about Trey Waynes. I've also heard that Xavier Rhodes at corner could be on the market. Those FSU guys could be on the market. I would do that. I don't know about Trey Waynes, but Xavier Rhodes, bring it all day, every day. I got to give up my first? Okay. I'd do it. I'd do it. If that got me Xavier Rhodes, I'd give up my first to do it. I wouldn't love it. But I got two seconds. Maybe I package those and move up if I want to do that. But that I would do. I would listen. I would listen, uh, or I would make the call on Xavier Rhodes, Patrick Peterson. I would definitely think about that. Now Pat's getting up there in years, but those are two guys that I would I would think about making a deal for. It's just a matter of whether those teams want to do it. I haven't heard anything about Pat moving. Not anymore. But I have heard that the Vikings have potentially shopped or are going to shop Xavier Rhodes. 
So that definitely is uh, something to consider. All right, coming up, you've got Wade Smith and Trap J, Travis Johnson, my two buddies here, and Jeremy Branham's going to be in here from 7 until 9. Jeremy, is that right? 7 until 9, next couple of hours. So they'll talk a little bit more about this. Maybe there's a signing tonight. Maybe there's another Odell Beckham trade like last night, which made things pretty exciting. So I'm curious to hear what they have to say about the Browns, what they have to say about the Texans. So keep it right here, Locked on Sports Radio 610. Joanna, great job. Thank you very much. To all of you listening, thank you for all the calls and tweets and everything that you brought to the show. We will see you tomorrow. And as always, go Texans. For the most in-depth coverage of your favorite team and players, check out HoustonTexans.com. 